we go. Here we go. Yes. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bill's Alley. I'm your host, A. Rich, Hakeem Richens. And if you don't know my saying by now, if you don't know me, please get to know me. This is indeed the Built in Buffalo Network. And today, it's a very, very special show, man. I got three of my favorite people, one I just met, but he's an instant favorite. And we're going to have a lot of discussion today, a lot of things to break down. First of all, as you can see, myself and DM3, we're together for the first time. We <laughs> just you. we just met in person today. It's been four years, and I must say it's been four years too long. So first, uh, I, I want to say what's up to my brother, my brother DM3. How you doing, bro? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a long time since we've done a show, and it's definitely been way too long since we've been had a chance to do this together. So I'm just fortunate to be here. We're, we're hanging out. We're doing Built in Buffalo stuff. Uh, we're going to have a great show. Um, for all the people that keep asking me when I'm coming back, because I get them, I get the DMs all the time. It's soon, I promise. Um, but for tonight, we're going to have a great show. we got some great guests lined up. So I'm here. I'm here. Nice, nice. And first, uh, uh, let, let's introduce a couple of gentlemen that are not usually on the screen. One is behind the scenes and one is going to be on the screen a lot more. Our newest Built in Buffalo contributor, Mr. Mike Lindsley. I want to uh, introduce him first. Mike, how you doing? And I want you to give you, a, give you a brief bio on yourself so the people could get to know you and get to know what they're going to be seeing in the near future. Yeah, I appreciate uh, coming on, certainly. And and this is one of the few nights that I'm not wearing a hat. I usually wear a hat all the time. Obviously, kind of losing a little bit. Of, I'm close to I'm close to my guy over here with the with the clean the clean look, which uh, I I love. Um, but yeah, no, I, this is great, guys. I mean, I appreciate you you having me on. Um, you know, just kind of a quick you know synopsis. I mean, I've been doing sports media for 20 years. Uh, Syracuse and Albany markets national. Uh, with SB Nation and Yahoo, and uh, have spent some time, you know, with the Associated Press uh, as a Syracuse basketball beat beat guy. Um, covered some huge events, uh, Buffalo sports across the board. Uh, so I'm just really looking forward to you know jumping on uh, with you guys and uh, bringing some hopefully some good content that the Bills Mafia enjoys. Nice, nice, Mike. And once again, uh, Bills and Buffalo, the entire family. It's, it's just a, a, a pleasure to have you, a, pe a pleasure to have a, a man of your knowledge and, and your credentials, man. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, I, I really, really appreciate you. Uh, Adam, Adam, buddy, uh, we, we know you, but the people probably don't recognize your face. What's up? What's up, Adam? What's going on? Tell, tell us a little bit a, a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm Adam Zyntek, uh, known on Twitter as Primetime Adam. Uh, I do not have any experience writing for any of the teams that Mike has said. Uh, just a lifelong diehard Bills fan. Uh, for the Bills and Buffalo brand, uh, I help manage the Twitter account. Uh, so a lot of the tweets you see are handled by myself. And, and like I said, uh, just a diehard Bills fan, diehard Sabres fan. Just excited to have some really good conversations about football. I will admit, seeing the intro with those highlights of Josh Allen made me miss football so so much it just it was it was rough do do we or do we not have the coolest quarterback in the nfl i mean this is kind of homer fanboyish but josh allen i think has won over every bills fan if you don't like josh allen you're not a fan of football so. but here here's the thing though guys i just want to let you know he does do he doesn't do everything perfect like in the playoffs no i just saw him fly a couple yeah. minutes ago a par three in this uh in this pro-am uh, over the green <laughs> 
but he hasn't played in six months. He said he he need you know he needs to get the the kinks out. Golf is believe it or not for him and for everybody. I mean, I I'm an avid golfer, even though you know the clubs are to the right of me and I've got through the window at least a foot and a half of snow. Um, mm-hmm. But golf is very very hard. So it shows you what my point is that Josh Allen is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, but it's still so hard to hit a golf ball, so hard to get yeah. green, you know, in those conditions. So he flew the green, but you know. I didn't see what he did. I'm sure he chipped it in next. I mean, obviously. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he did miss the cut. I believe by five strokes, he missed the cut. Okay. Well, I'm on, I'm on a little apparently a delay or something on uh, Golf Channel. But either way, um, I'm with you on Adam on the highlights. I, you know, wish it could start tomorrow. I'm still not over 13 seconds. I'm just not. Um, yeah. By the way, I, I got. I have. Whenever you guys want to hear. Um, <clears throat> this tonight in the show, I, I did see somebody at the carrier dome tonight, uh, a gentleman mm-hmm. by the name of Doug Marone. And I went up and said hello to him. So later in the show, if you guys want to, you know, yes. ask me what we chatted about, we can do that too. Sure. Definitely. Definitely. We definitely, we, we have to do that. Doug Marone. I'm curious to yeah. see if he's going to go with uh, Nathaniel Hackett with the, with the Denver Broncos. So we'll, we definitely will discuss that uh, later on in the show, but let me get, let me get some comments in here right quick before we start. Uh, I got Daniel Gari's in the building. What's going on, Daniel? How you doing? My brother Ryan is in the building. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, Jamie Osgood, Brent Thompson, Christopher, Kim, Jason. How's everybody doing? We appreciate everyone that's that's in tune to this Built in Buffalo uh, broadcast tonight. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to get this show, uh, this show started, right? Uh, it's been a lot of news going on in the NFL this week, right? It's been uh, a season that's over, but as we all know, the tw- uh, the NFL is a 24-7, 365 operation. And this week is, is definitely no different. And Brian Flores is, is suing the NFL. Uh, his claims regarding discrimination in his interview process with the New York Giants uh, and the Denver Broncos. And last but not least, his last month firing with the Miami Dolphins. And I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins situation a little bit. And I want to shine a light to a, 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 a similar situation in terms of things being unethical. Uh, Stephen Ross, Ryan Flores allegedly accuses Stephen Ross of offering $100,000 to tank the season, basically. $100,000 per loss. Um, obviously, this is not 100% confirmed, but... I do want to pose this question because these are are, are very serious uh, allegations. So my first question is, which is worse in your opinion? Now, obviously, it's not confirmed, but it's an interesting interesting topic of discussion. Which is worse in your opinion? Owner Stephen Ross offering $100,000 to head coach Brian Flores to lose games or Sean Payton, Greg Williams, and the New Orleans Saints bounty gate back in 2012 which one is worse in your opinion i want to get mike's uh, opinions first and i'll get adams then we'll go to my brother dm3 well i think two things on this guys number one i think that bounty gate was worse and and the reason i say that is because well there's a couple of reasons number one is we live in a fan duel bet online draft kings type of world right and mm-hmm. so there's betting, there's money, there's black bags thrown all over the place. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what this comes down to is can we remove the football part of it for a second? 
what about the human being part, the the mm-hmm. human life thing? And for as much as a fan as I am of Sean Payton, they tried to injure people. I mean, Greg mm-hmm. Williams, that was what that was. Like there was intent to injure. This thing with Ross and 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 paying the head coach and all this. Listen, it might have happened like that. It might have happened double, triple than that. Okay, that's fine. Hugh Jackson has come out. It, it might have happened with him a few times. That's fine. But, guys, I'm here to tell you that the people I talk to in and around the league, the 53-man roster, it's extremely difficult mm. to tank a football game, okay? There's mm. too many moving parts. And I got news for you. There are players when you're 0-13 – who don't want to be 0-16 or 0-17 now. They don't want to lose every game. These are competitors. They've mm-hmm. been playing football for 25, 30 years or whatever it is, going back to their peewee pop Warner, whatever you want to call it. So I just think it's really, really hard to tank a football game. I have no doubt that a lot of things are going on behind the scenes. I have no doubt that you know some guys lay down. I have no doubt that tanking happens uh, on the whole now, not just you know not every game. But mm-hmm. I, I, gosh, I mean, to answer that question, I have to go with the bounty gate because human lives were targeted. And I think that that's, mm-hmm. you know, with intent to injure, those are the right. three words for me, intent to injure. I would take that. Right. And and you know what? I, in my opinion, you're absolutely right. But I pose the question because even though I think bounty gate is, is, is worse, bounty gate was a, a year suspension. Sean Payton and Greg Williams and after that year they was able to come back from their suspension whether uh but on the other hand this Stephen Ross uh uh incident or alleged incident they're calling for Stephen Ross to step down as the owner altogether so that's why I'm like hmm I don't I'm not sure if that's any worse than the bounty gate and they only got suspended a year so you're asking this owner to step down for this particular situation I find very interesting Adam your thoughts? Uh, well, the NFL has a history of um, not doing the best with handing out punishments. I think that's something that we could potentially all agree on there. Mm-hmm. Um, like Mike, uh, like like had mentioned, that we live in that FanDuel world right now with betting. So the the big thing that comes to my mind is if it comes out that it was real that that the coach was offered a hundred thousand dollars to lose that brings in a lot more lawsuits for the nfl with betters hey i bet fifteen hundred dollars on this game hey i bet twenty thousand dollars on this game i'm not saying that the lawsuits will go through but they're going to get into some pretty sticky situations with that with that being said i completely agree i think bounty gate is worse um because they were intentionally trying to hurt people now Football is a is a man's game. It's 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 heavy hitting, and I'm sure we've all seen movies and we've all seen speeches of head coaches and defensive coordinators going, "Let's rip their head off, let's destroy them." Like uh, they want to be the alpha player, they want to be the alpha on the field, they want to take out their opponent, they want to win the game. But the fact that money was thrown behind intentionally hurting these people, um, I mean, not that it was an intentional, but I, I remember Everett um, when he. Uh, got hurt and he was out for the rest of his career. Like I can't imagine if that wound up being an intentional hit, something like that happens. You know, if, if someone gets head on head and someone's life is over because of it and you find out that that's incentivized, mm-hmm. um, that's just criminal and unethical. I, I, I think, unfortunately, tanking is a part of sports. It, it's just a real thing. 
Um, mm -hmm. The unethical part would be if the money was tied to it. Um, mm -hmm. I think Hugh Jackson, if he was paid for it, we look at him like a terrible coach, but he might be the smartest man in the room if he was offered 100K for every loss that he was given. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I, I think the bounty gate was really gross because it could have hurt people's lives outside of football. Um, and tanking is just an unfortunate part of sports. I, I remember outside of football, I was at the Arizona Coyotes Buffalo Sabres game when it was for the Eichel sweepstakes. I was at that game and it looked like no one even wanted to touch the puck. It was an absolute abysmal yeah. game yeah. and there wasn't a single person player reporter there who thought that they weren't tank or they, yeah that they they were clearly tanking the game mike you got a rebuttal go ahead the well no the, the the two tanking situations that come to mind for me is clearly the sabers everybody remembers that i mean that was that was as ugly a season you can compare that to anything else those guys were just out there you could just tell they were like let's go to you know the near let's go to uh, Chippewa and just forget about it. Right. Two periods. And let's go to Chippewa and just Labat blue, like get it streaming. I mean, that was a complete tank job and they didn't even get McDavid. I mean, that's the other thing. Like no. Jack Michael's not even on the team and Connor oh McDavid God. could be, could be, I mean, guys, I'm 42 years old. I'm a diehard hockey guy. I've been a fan for what over 35 years through the years, Gretzky, Lemieux, blah, blah, blah. All these guys, Iserman, Messier, Hashik, all the goaltenders, Wab, Rodeur, I don't know. I mean, Connor McDavid right now, and I know we have Ovechkin and Crosby, mm -hmm. he might be the best player I've seen since Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he, mm -hmm. he is that good. I, we'll let it all play out. I get it. But you tank to get the best guy in the world coming into the draft. They couldn't even get him because mm -hmm. in classic Buffalo fashion, the balls bounced the other way. Um, the <laughs> other the other way, the, the, the other, um, excuse me, uh, tanking situation would be the Sixers. I can't stand the mm -hmm. NBA, but let's face it. They've been they tanked for what four years, and mm -hmm. and their management sold it as not to use a Buffalo coin phrase here, but trust the process. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> what? Yep. Like two, three years in, you're a fan of that team, and you're like, oh, we're cool with losing sixty nine games four years in a row. So those are the ones that come to mind for me, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, I, I just again, I think it's hard to tank, um, like throw games if you're a player on, on a football team because of the competition factor, the right. ego, the testosterone that goes in there. Right, man alive! It, 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 if we could have that retank, can we? Can we get McDavid? Like, is that <laughs> nice, man? Hey, not even on the team. Nice I don't even on the team anymore. Right, DM three. I know you've been waiting to Four. chime in on this. Let's let's hear it, brother. So. They're both ethically wrong. They're both ethically horrible, right? Um, if you want to put one against the other, it's definitely Bounty Gate because you're, you're talking about wanting to physically harm opposing players. Now, not to say that you don't have a defensive coach like Greg Williams, who we all know is a hothead, right? He is that guy that is going to be boisterous, and I want you to go rip the quarterback's head off. But, while well, they went a little further and said, well, we'll pay you to actually go out there and hurt the quarterback. Now, the tricky thing, and this is kind of a different caveat that I don't think anybody's really talked about, is with tanking games, there's no way to prove any of that happens, right? It was proven that bounty get happened. Like people have come out and admittedly said that I was paid or offered money to injure opposing players. Because if you're an owner of a franchise, of an of a NFL franchise, and you're 
going to walk up to a coach and say, I'm going to pay you $100,000 to tank a game. But by the way, in your contract, it's going to be a bonus. It's going to be a, a, some sort of bonus. So either, either way, it's unethical. I don't know if you could really judge one or the other. I do think that if it comes out that the owners were doing that, that owner should have to give a, relinquish control of the, of the franchise. I think that that's um, – and as far as – the coaches being able to coach again after a one-year suspension, I think that they should have been banned from football, to be honest with you. I don't mm. think the punishment was harsh enough. Mm. You're talking about paying someone to physically hurt somebody. In what other walk of life is that? Can you do that and just get a slap on the wrist and come back and do your job again? You can't, right? So it's it's a slippery slope, but I, I definitely think that Bounty Gate was a lot more steep because you're, you're talking about injury and professional athletes so that's well guys it, it, and you know what you you have a point there with what i what other profession is that allowed but isn't that the case i mean listen we love the bills we love the nfl mm-hmm. but how many times can we talk about that with the nfl mm. in, in 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 what possible case is it and i know we're going to get to this yep but you know the head coaching situation with with the unbelievable just disaster and, and catastrophic embarrassment that has happened with not giving minorities more of a look. Uh, where is that allowed in, in, in other companies? Where is it allowed where you can bully people, right? Where is it allowed where bounty gate happens? Where is it? I mean, this stuff's with the NFL is endless. I mean, Michael Vick, you know, was a part of a dog fighting ring and mm. killed a bunch of dogs. He mm. apologizes and he paid his time, but now he's like a lead analyst for Fox sports. He's like allowed right back into the football world. So there's a million different cases we can talk about where, Hey, this wasn't allowed, you know, this wouldn't be allowed in another, uh, mm. in another company, in another area of work, the NFL beat, you know, the drum keeps beating in the NFL guys, as long as they're printing money and the ratings yeah. are 44 to 52 million people watching a playoff game. Anything yeah. goes. And after they, I mean, after all those controversies that you talked about too, they just signed that massive deal with what was it? Fox and Amazon. That's going to increase the, the uh, player salaries each year. So they're not really hurting for money right now. And they know that each new controversy can be delayed by, Oh, the preseason six months away. Oh, the Super Bowl's next weekend. Oh, we have training camp coming up. Oh, we have the combine coming up uh, where everyone, like you said, the, the views are there. People are going to click. They're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be a select few people who decide to boycott over a certain, controversy but overall the views speak for themselves i mean look at the top 20 rated tv shows of the past year and i'm willing to bet the nfl and specific games are going to be made up of a large portion of those shows sure. excellent excellent thoughts from 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 all three gentlemen and uh I, I see the comment section they have their different views my brother charlie was talking Stephen ross situation was a lot worse i know others was t- going leaning the other way in terms of bounty gate Bounty Gate is actually factual, right? It actually happened. It's proven it was happened. So uh, I can't be opposed to the people in the comment section that say, hey, we have to take a step back and, and see what happens in that Miami Dolphin situation. I find it hard to believe that a head coach would lie about that, right? Even though it's not proven, that's that's a hell of a claim to make uh, uh, if, in fact, it is a lie. And I think both gentlemen's integrity is and, and and respectability is is at stake. So hopefully we can get some um, some clarity on this in the near future. But I, I want to move on, right? Uh, we're talking about uh, a lot of different things in terms of bounty gate, in terms of owners uh, possibly playing coaches to tank, and 
the Buffalo Bills have have some things to do in this. They have they uh, innocently. Right. But they have some things to do with this because Joe Shane uh, moving on a little bit. Assistant manager, former assistant manager for, uh, for the Buffalo Bills, Joe Shane, now general manager for the New York Giants. Uh, we see this all the time. Right. GMs are, are going to want their guys. They're going to want their guys that they're in sync with so they could share the same ideologies and, and philosophies uh, uh, together, right? So a GM is going to want a head coach that fit his philosophy and fit, uh, fit his ideologies, right? Uh, you, don't wanna, you, you don't want a guy you can't trust. You want a guy you can trust. And being that Joe Shane was with the Buffalo Bills, with Brian Dable, uh, they're coming from the same organization. It makes sense why Joe Shane wanted his guy. They work together. They know each other. Uh, guys are going to want to work with guys that they're familiar with as opposed to guys they don't know, right? So in this particular case with the New York Giants, I believe Joe Shane picked his guy because he just wanted him and he just wanted to work with him. And I don't think race played a factor in that particular situation. But I do think Brian Flores put a big microscope on the rest of the NFL because discrimination does exist and the lack of opportunities for African-American coaches to become head coaches is, is quite evident in my opinion. So my next question is, I have to ask, let me get it up here. This whole Ronnie rule, right? Should Brilliant. the NFL keep or scrap the Ronnie rule altogether? Because I'm not sure if, it's actually hurting or helping. And obviously everybody see this TV screen. Um, I'm a black guy, I'm an African-American male, and I'm up here with three white guys. So we're gonna get three interest, uh, four interesting perspectives on this whole ordeal in DM3. Uh, I wanna start you off. Should they scrap it? No. Should they enforce it? Yes. Mm. Pretty simple, right? We see a lot of times in it, it, it's surprising in terms of uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot of ways I can go with this. Um, and me and Akeem have talked about it. We talked about it in group chats. We've talked about it all over the place. Um, the fact that Eric Bieniemy is not a head coach in the NFL is is a crime. Um, Eric Bieniemy is one of the the brightest, upcoming, smartest, offensive minded coaches. Mm -hmm. Yes, he has Andy Reid there that is guiding him every way. But you know what? He's also proven to be just absolutely detrimental to the progress of Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. it, I don't know how there's a way that they can enforce it more because we talk about these sham interviews. But there has to be more of a look because if you look what happened after Brian Flores came out with all this information, you have the Minnesota Vikings pulling this – card that Harbaugh is going to be their next coach and he hadn't even interviewed yet mm. and then he it went away he's going back to Michigan and all that stuff and it's just you see Byron Leftwich pull out and all that stuff it's just, it's it's sad and I'm not sure if there's a way to fix it but they need to enforce it mm. um and it it's 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 a travesty that they had to make a Rooney rule because I feel like if you're the best coach for the job, you deserve the job no matter what color your skin tone is. Facts. Um, so to me, I, I mean, it, it's got to be looked at. And I, I think that they need to spend this offseason 
And and like Akeem said earlier, you know, Brian Flores put himself on an island by doing this. And it's good that he's still being considered for some head coaching jobs, but he put himself out there and it's enough is enough, you know, and you have other coaches coming out, former coaches coming out, former candidates for head coaching positions coming out. And when are we just going to realize that it just needs to be not a good old boys club with the owners and stuff like that. And we need to get these guys in here that can do the job because there are a lot of minds and it's, it's not just African-American. There are Hispanic coaches out there. there Yeah. All minority coaches mm-hmm. that are bright and upcoming and can probably be a head coach in the NFL. And it's, it's, it just needs to be enforced. I mean, I, I don't know how they would do that. Um, maybe some change with who is the actual NFL commissioner. Maybe it starts there. Um, I don't want to throw shade, but maybe a change mm. there would be a change in some other things, a trickle-down effect. So that's that's just my opinion. I like it. I like it. Uh, uh, Adam, what you got? So what's, what's crazy to me is that the Brian Flores thing um, with the Giants wasn't even the first time in, in recent memory that this has happened. Um, I mean, in 2018 with the, the John Gruden hiring, <clears throat> there was scrutiny with this rule when it was revealed that the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, admitted that the team had already agreed to a deal to hire Gruden before interviewing T. Martin and Bobby Johnson. Um, it's another recycling of this conversation again. I completely agree with Dave. Um, I think that the rule still needs to take effect. It still needs to be there, but they, they need to work on enforcing it. Um, I mean, I, I did a little research and as of February 4th, there are 192 positions in the NFL that fall within that Rooney rule, right? Head coach, QB coach, offensive coordinator, GM, special teams coordinator, and defensive coordinators. Out of all mm-hmm. 192 positions, 33 of those positions are filled with a minority candidate, which is around 17%. Um, Nearly two decades after the Rooney rule was implemented, there's just one single head coach who was a black man in the NFL. Mm. With the rule aimed at making strides to showcase diversity hiring, there isn't much diversity happening throughout Mm. the NFL. Mm. Um, I I mean, initially it was leveling the playing field by getting people in the door who were otherwise maybe not considered for that role. Um, I I mean, I, I think it's a great rule. Um, before the role was implemented, um, again, just doing a little research, coaches yep. of color were hired about 2% of the time. Mm. After rule, the rate of coaches of color raised to 20%. Mm. Um, I, I just think that there's some good stats behind it. I think it's a great rule, and it gets people who, who might not have had that opportunity before in the door. What blew my mind is it took until 2007 for there to be two teams, both coached by black man, to play in the Super Bowl. Mm. 2007. That is insane. But again, with the strides being made, I don't know if those strides would have happened without the Rooney rule. There are loopholes, there are issues, there are things that need to be addressed, but I think it's a good rule. I think it's a great rule. I just want to add one more thing too. One coach out of the 32 that is an African-American has never had a losing season. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Ever. And he is the head coach in the face of one of the most predominant NFL franchise in the history of the league. So, I mean, that there's there's that. Excellent point. Excellent point, Adam. Mike? There's a lot to unpack here. Um, not only has Mike Tomlin not had a losing season, but he's the head coach of the franchise that instituted the rule. 
Dan Rooney, the former owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, his son, Art Rooney, the second now owns the team. It was a Pittsburgh Steelers driven rule from that group. OK, let's start with that. Um, back to your point about the Super Bowl. No doubt. We remember Colts over Bears. Tony Dungy beats uh, Lovey Smith in the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning with the ring his first one. Um, that was an amazing moment. And, and Tony Dungy was on a million podcasts this week, as he always did, is. And I heard him say, uh, you know, I, look, you know, Lovey and I both talked before the game and knew that history was going to be made no matter who won. We all knew who was going to win because one side had Rex Grossman and the other one had Peyton Manning. But right. so anyways, putting all of that aside, the question, should the NFL keeper scrap the Rooney rule altogether? Guys, I'm on the fence with this. Really, I am. Because on the one hand, I want them to keep it, to keep, you know, enforcing it. And, for, yo, you guys, you guys got to do it. Rooney rule, Rooney rule. But if it's not working, mm. maybe they need to go into a, a different direction. Why is it that the NFL can mysteriously introduce rules that we don't even know about on the field, on the field, right? The first one that comes to mind, the tuck rule. Okay. Mm. We didn't even know what the tuck rule was. Charles Woodson strips the ball out of Brady's hand. It was a fumble. And then they come in with the tuck rule. They explain it. And the tuck rule explanation doesn't equal what the play was. It, the, the play is very simple. Brady goes up, he comes down. Woodson comes in, strips the ball as his arm. No, his arm was just back enough. It was a fumble. How do we implement a tuck rule? How do we implement all of these rules that most people don't even know about? into the NFL product on the field, but we can't get off the field or rule right. It just doesn't make any sense. And my final thought on this is, listen, I have no doubt in my mind that racism exists in the NFL. There's no question. Discrimination, unfair treatment towards African-Americans, minorities, whatever. I have zero doubt that these owners are printing money. It's a country club world. We're not going to give him an interview because he's black and it's bull crap. Okay. It's got to change. But here's the one thing that I do want to re remind people of that sometimes whether you're, you know, Mexican, white, black, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. you might interview someone and it, it actually isn't a really good fit. We've heard a lot of things about Brian Flores behind the scenes with mm -hmm. his staff interchangeable guys, revolving doors. He, he's, he's kind of an attitude guy. Mm. What if he was white? What if he was, what if he was Mexican? He's black. Okay. Eric Bienemy has gone into the room and hasn't been able to command the room and overtakes interviews. And you hear some bad things about him in, in the interview process. I'm not inside those interviews guys. Uh, but, but I'm just saying like, sometimes regardless of, of your ethnicity, ethnicity, you, you can still be for that franchise, not the guy that they want a poor choice that mm. doesn't excuse that people aren't getting hired. Right. Like right. I, I want, I think both can apply here. Like it doesn't excuse Eric B not getting a gig. Frankly, I think Jim Caldwell deserves another job. Um, there, there's just so many guys around the league who deserve at least interviews and certainly many, many uh, African-Americans who deserve a, a spot as a head coach. But I just think too, that sometimes no matter what the color of your skin is and where you come from, I think that sometimes an in, in, in interview does go wrong. Um, guys aren't the right fit for a franchise no matter what. But again, that doesn't excuse what we need to do in the NFL. And that's get more guys in for head coaching jobs, OC, DC, GMs across the board from minority, uh, from the minority group, including African-Americans. 
And I think too that it it goes beyond just um, putting decals on helmets and in the end zones too. There needs to be a fundamental change going on um, just more with the NFL. I mean, what comes to mind is, is again, the Gruden thing, right? With those emails that, that showcased racist, misogynist, sexist um, information. And, And we're supposed to believe as fans, as we're told by the NFL, there's, there's thousands of emails going to different owners, different coaches, GMs. And what you found in those thousands of thousands of communications is two instances in which this was the only owner that said anything remotely negative or bad or racist or sexist or misogynist. I just mm-hmm. think there's a fundamental problem happening. Um, and, and I think it needs to be corrected. And by the way, you know, <laughs> whatever side you sit on for the Native American um, part of racism, right? Like nobody's asked the, the, the Iroquois, the Aztecs, many mm. others. Do you think we should change it from guardians or from, from Indians to guardians in Cleveland? Do you think we should do this? Do you, I, I know guys, I live 30 minutes from the Onondaga nation and I've, I've talked to people at, at, at the Onondaga nation, native Americans, many of whom come from, you know, the lacrosse world and uh, they're extremely well-respected in the area. Hell, they run Turning Stone Casino. So, you know, they're printing money, right? But here's the thing. These guys don't care. They think it's a respect factor. Even so, yeah. even so, no matter what side you're on, you think it's, you know, Redskins, Chiefs, Seminoles, Indians, all these names that we have going on. Regardless of, of what side you're on, Kansas City Chiefs, they have end racism in the end zone while they're doing the tomahawk chop. Figure it out. Yep. Nice, nice. I thought I rolled my eyes initially because I thought you were going to talk about the Washington Commanders. Um, I would have just stuck with the Washington football team. Never heard of them. (laughs) You know, I wanted, you know what, what's funny you bring that up. I wanted them to kind of go back to the Generals, which is a heritage name from the baseball team that ended up moving to the Texas Rangers uh, site. And the reason I wanted them to do that was because I wanted the Washington Commanders to come back and go first in war, first in peace, last in the Mm. NFC East. As opposed to first in war, first in peace, and last, uh-huh. right? Last in nice. in, uh, in the American League. So um, it's a joke, guys. And they've got to yeah. look, look. They've got to figure this out. They, this Rooney yes. rule. They got to figure it out. They do. Yeah, most definitely. And once again, uh, you're in tune to Bill's Allergy. Uh, I'm your host, A Rich, Akeem Richens. If you don't know me, please get to know me. I got Adam in the building. My brother, DM3, and our newest built in Buffalo contributor. Uh, Mike Lindsley. Uh, we're discussing the the Rooney Rule right now, and if it should be scrapped or if should, if it should be kept. I'll keep mine short and sweet. Uh, I think it's it's time for a change, and I was swayed a little bit because uh, Adam brought all these analytics and statistics to the table, and I'm like, shit, that is pretty damn impressive, right? But at the same time, uh, I'm I, I'm starting to think that you know the Rooney Rule is 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 it's borderline disrespectful to minorities. Uh, because, you know, uh, I, I, you're just wasting time of these coaches knowing damn well you're not going to hire them. You know damn well who you want, and you're just fulfilling a requirement, right? And I think that right there is is uh, uh, disrespectful to minority coaches and their time uh, in terms of their grind and their hard work and their efforts as well. So I, I do think that the NFL has a problem. I think it should be rectified in in some type of way. Uh, Obviously, there is good opinions both sides, whether you want to enhance the Rooney Rule or scrap it altogether. In my opinion, they they should scrap it and and should figure out another way. Uh, We have to have a system in place 
where these coaches shouldn't even be considered unless they have the matching qualifications, right? Whatever those qualifications are, I, I just think that that's what, that's what the NFL has to figure out. That's why they get paid the millions and billions of dollars. But there, in my opinion, there's no reason why coaches like a Joe Judge or, or Josh McCown should even be considered for head coaching jobs. Josh McCown didn't, it, it doesn't even possess the necessary experience as a as a coach and i think it's disrespectful to the grind of the coaches that's been in it for five and ten and fifteen years ask david cullen right ask eric Bieniemy. ask all these guys that was willing to put in that grind so uh in my opinion those are reasons why uh i believe they should scrap the the rooney rule altogether but uh there's both both uh excellent excellent thoughts and, and analysis uh, represented in both ways and i appreciate you gentlemen's thoughts um i want to move on though right i want to move on because there's still a lot of more uh discussions and topics left we've been going on for 40 minutes now uh we're going to get back we're going to reel this in and we're going to get back to more to more buffalo bill centric topics right because that's not the only thing that's been going on in terms of rooney rules and and the owners possibly uh, uh offering head coaches to tank games Buffalo Bills have news as well. And ever since Brian Flores left to go and uh, proceed to be the head coach of the New York Giants, us as Buffalo Bills fans was wondering who the hell is going to be the offensive coordinator for the Bills. I even had a whole show uh, requesting certain coaches that would be great fits for the Buffalo Bills if Ken Dorsey uh, was to leave to go to New York to the New York Giants. But a couple of days later, we all find out all is well at Highmark Stadium. And Ken Dorsey was indeed uh, hired as the offensive coordinator for the Bills. So now that that's happened, uh, I want to get your thoughts on, on the Buffalo Bills naming uh, Ken Dorsey the uh, offensive coordinator. And was you ever concerned uh, that the possibility that he would leave in the first place for the New York Giants? So uh, whoever want to take this first, go ahead. Let me go. Let me go on this one because I've been thinking about this for a while, and I haven't been on a show in a while, so you guys might want to bear with me. I'm I'm going to be long winded on this one. So, um, we we talked about Ken Dorsey last year when we all thought Brian Dable was going to leave last year, and I do believe that the Bills making it to the AFC Championship games kept Brian Dable in Buffalo. I think we can all agree on that because he was their team was still playing, um, and Back then, that was after the first COVID season, and teams wanted to get their coaching staffs in place as soon as possible. So we, Dorsey's been on our radar. Um, I I find it kind of funny that Josh has come out now. All this stuff's come out. Josh is being overly positive, endorsing um, Ken Dorsey, saying that he was very instrumental. Now we'll never know who was the most instrumental. Um, to get Josh to where he is now from where he was in the start of the 2018 season. We don't know if it was Ken Dorsey. We don't know if it was um, Brian Dable. We don't know if it was Jordan Palmer, if it was a mixture of everything. Did they all have a hand in it? Sure. Um, but it's refreshing. It's extremely satisfying to know that we'll have a guy in the building that has been here for three years. Um, we saw his biggest leap, I think, in the postseason, um, playing almost perfectly against the Patriots and the Chiefs. But – to bring in, and this is where I'm going to go long-winded because me and Akeem did Bill's Algae last year, and I raved about Joe Brady 
I was in love with Joe Brady. Um, I think that he is an extremely intelligent offensive mind, and I thought he was going to do wonders for Sam Darnold. Um, I just think that there was more to that than just Joe Brady. I think that there was a lot of other parts that didn't fall into place like they should have, and I think that he was the scapegoat. You know, we, we all talk about Rex Ryan and how he fired Greg Roman or the Bills fired Greg Roman. Greg Roman was the scapegoat. There was nothing wrong with the Bills offense when they fired Greg Roman. The defense was horrible. And Rex Ryan's a defensive coach. So I feel like Joe Brady might have been kind of the scapegoat for Matt Rule. And um, But having him here, he's probably not going to be here long. We have to come to terms with that. If, it's, if there's continued success with Josh in this offense and these two guys come together and instill more run, um, it looks like they, they're going to want to do zone run scheme and, and things like that. I don't think he'll be here very long. Um, I think that he could be an offensive coordinator again very soon. It's just nice to know that we have two really bright offensive, young offensive-minded um, coaches with Dorsey um, and with Brady. And I think it's only it's only going to go up from here. I'm going to flip this a little bit, and Akeem didn't know I was going to do this. I'm concerned about the fact that we still have the same defensive coordinator. And mm. that's going to cause a different conversation, probably for a different day. But mm. it wasn't the offense that let us down um, and, and against the Chiefs. It was the defense. So that's mm. still something that kind of, you know, has been burning at me. But I, I think – I don't think they could have done much better, to be honest with you. Losing a guy that, you know, they put up, you know, 30 points a game the last two seasons, top two uh, passing offense the last two years. Um, to get a guy that was here and then get another guy that is a really young up-and-coming offensive mind, I think it's a win-win. Nice, nice. Uh, Mike, Adam, whoever want to go, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I'll add to that a little bit here. Um, I agree with you that the defense obviously let them down 13 seconds. How could they have not? But it's more on McDermott than Leslie Frazier here. Mm. Okay, let's not make any mistake about this. He's the CEO of the team. He overrides anything that he wants. He shoved the running game down Brian Dable's throat earlier in the season when they didn't have downfield blockers and Devin Singletary hadn't become Devin Singletary yet. And they didn't implement Josh Allen with those rollout, those read option type of things with a wall of healthy offensive linemen at their right positions. It's more on McDermott than Frazier because if Frazier puts out that defense, McDermott's got to at least go, okay, we got to play up here a little bit, guys. We can't give Hall of Famers and Kelsey and Hill great guys yards after the catch, probably the best in the league from a Hall of Fame to be quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, 10 yards a cushion, whatever it is, 9, 10, 11, 12 yards cushion, and then they turn it upfield for 22 yards with two timeouts. So, yeah, Frazier was to blame, but it's on McDermott. McDermott more because he can override anything that Leslie Frazier does. And if you don't think so, Sean McDermott, remember, not too long ago, overtook all the play calling on the defensive side of the football and he's a defensive mind. Now, Ken Dorsey, unbelievable promotion. This mm-hmm. guy is a, an incredible offensive mind, super, super savvy. Uh, Allen loves him. Obviously, the endorsement we heard Allen give uh, right after Dable took the OC job. Was I worried about uh, Dorsey going to the Giants? Of course. I mean, I think, you know, when somebody gets plucked like Dable goes from OC to HC, uh, the natural inclination is to take a bunch of guys with him. And Mm -hmm. we know that he has done that. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, Joe Shane used to be with the Bills. I mean, look at look at the order. Right. Joe Shane goes. Dable goes, you know, so it it goes into it goes in order. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought that if if the Bills weren't going to promote Ken Dorsey to OC, 
I was thinking, okay, like I'm trying to think outside the box, right? Like, do you go Matt Nagy, who was a bad head coach overall, but a really great offensive mind? Do you go Doug Peterson, who fits kind of that same bill as well? But there was no better better fit than Ken Dorsey, and it was smart by Bean and McDermott to obviously hire within. And, and as far as Joe Brady goes, guys, it, it, this is an unbelievable ad for the Bills. I mean, to bring him in as QB coach with his moxie, he's been everywhere. He was uh, a QB coach with the Panthers when Cam Newton had his MVP season. 2019, we know the story with LSU with that high-octane offense. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Burrow threw for 60, 60 touchdowns that season. It was the best single-season offense in the history of the sport. Um, You know, he's been all over the place. He worked in New Orleans with offensive minds, including Sean Payton. Joe Brady, and I agree with you uh, from the earlier comment there, Akeem, that, you know, I think that this guy is going to get – uh, or whoever said it, he's going to get a job in the future. No question if he comes in and succeeds with the Bills because it's just that offensive mind. It's an offensive world where he, he'll he get plucked because that's exactly what everybody's looking for. You know, we went from who's a Sean Mc, next Sean McVay to the next Kyle Shanahan to the next this to the next that. Now it's like who's the next Zach Taylor and who's the next Matt LaFleur. Well, guess what? It might be who's the next Joe Brady and who's the next Ken Dorsey after the 2022 campaign. I love that they stayed within. I love that they kept the cohesion, the the chemistry, however you want to call it, together. And let's face it, whatever number 17 wants, he gets. And rightfully so. I want to add add to that too. So a lot of the stuff came out from, and this is kind of linked to the Brian Flores thing. A lot of stuff came out about Brian Dable's issues, perhaps with Sean McDermott and how they wanted to call games and things like that. So then there was like some bad mouthing of Sean McDermott on social media for it lasted not very long. It lasted until about the time that Ken Dorsey was given the offensive coordinator position. So for all the people out there that thought that there was some issues within that locker room with Sean McDermott, the proof right here, Ken Dorsey could have left and he chose to stay here. Now, did he get offered more money? Maybe, but I mean, and then he brought in Joe Brady. So, you know, I think it's just, and this is kind of a side thing, but we're going to start seeing, you know how we have the Andy Reid tree? You're going to start seeing a Sean McDermott tree, mm. and it's already started. Mm. So just yep. it's nice to see that the Bills are going to have an organization that a coach can start his own coaching tree. So Now, Adam. I mean, you... Buffalo is the best. Oh, sorry. Go. No, no, my bad. My bad. But before you go, I, I do want you to answer the, the question, and I, I also want you to add on to this, to this, the question about the polls. Uh, obviously, can Dorsey get your thoughts on the hire? But are you concerned, or is there any concerns about Ken Dorsey? I know there's a, a, a you know, there's a, a, everybody's clamoring for the hire. Everybody loved the hire, but the fact of the matter is, Ken Dorsey's never called plays before, so it's it's a True. different ball game when you actually have to call plays and you ha- you're in this situation and you have to play situational football and you got to call the right play depending on the down and distance. Is there any concerns for you for that uh, aspect of the game and, and and your thoughts on, on Ken Dorsey as a higher altogether? I, I think that there are a lot of expectations for Dorsey, especially because we've seen what Josh Allen can do and expectations mm-hmm. are premeditated resentments. If at any point we feel as though, uh, we're not firing at all cylinders. If if we come out of, say, halftime of a playoff game and run the ball three times, um, he's going to be under a microscope. People love the hire. It's the offseason. We're excited. We're, we're clamoring. But week one comes in and we're down 14 points at half and Josh Allen isn't looking great. 
people are going to be coming for Dorsey week one. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm nervous for him. I'm nervous for any new person that comes in. However, I'd be more nervous if it was someone from outside. So my thoughts mm. on the Ken Dorsey hire is continuity is important, man. You, you got a guy that's been working one-on-one with Josh Allen for these past couple of years. I know Josh Allen does work outside with Jordan Palmer and he, he crafts his game, but um, the – all the things that I've heard from Ken Dorsey, quiet leader, he's pumping up the guys in the sidelines. They absolutely love him. Now, I don't know if players need to be in love with their coach, but but it's good culture things. Um, I think Dorsey is an absolute stud, and, and with the Giants throwing money at him, allegedly, reportedly, from what I've seen, it's, it's really mm-hmm. nice to have that continuity on offense. Um, I also think for Joe Brady, um, it's nice to live in a world where the Bills can have nice things. Um, I believe that Buffalo mm-hmm. is now a destination for not only players, but for coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. For the past two years, our OC and DC have commanded different teams to interview them for a head coaching position. That's intriguing for people who want to climb up the ladder. Um, think of Ken Dorsey, perfect example. Grinded, worked on his craft, got the call up. Not only that, but people are seeing the culture in Buffalo. Much like Dave had mentioned, we're going to start talking about the McDermott tree, not just from the success that we're seeing with Josh Allen and these coaches, but with the culture that they've cultivated there, the championship caliber. Now, I know we don't have a championship, but we're well on our way. Think of 10 years ago. We wouldn't have had a Joe Brady type hire. We had a Rex Ryan type hire, and we were clamoring because we thought that this guy was going to be awesome. He enters his first interview and goes, is this thing on because it's about to be? Um, I just, I'm really excited for the Joe Brady hire. Um, and for Ken Dorsey, I love the person and I really, really hope that I love the coach. And, you know, we've been talking about Joe Brady a lot. So I obviously, I don't even think it's, it, 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 it matters for me to bring this, this topic up because it is already the topic of discussion. So Mike, I want to ask you, uh, you talked about Joe Brady's 60 touchdowns, uh, Joe Brady, uh, excuse me, uh, Burrow 60 touchdowns at the at the tutelage of Joe Brady, right? Uh, Joe Brady was able to have the talents of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. How much of it is really Joe Brady? Was it really Joe Brady or did he have just some of the most phenomenal talents to ever coach? Uh, I want to get you on that. Isn't that the question that everybody asks about every single coach and quarterback when they're elite? When mm-hmm. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and wins a Super Bowl, all of a sudden Bill Belichick couldn't coach. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick had them at seven and nine last year with all the Corona problems, all the injuries, no playmakers yep. on either side of the ball. Yep. This year, the Patriots get back to the postseason. Yep. Clearly he can still coach. Yep. Um Here's the thing, guys. No elite quarterback and no elite head coach have ever done it without the other guy. Belichick Brady, Walsh Montana, Chuck Noll, Terry Bradshaw, Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi, Troy Aikman, Jimmy Johnson. I can go on and on and on with this, okay? Mm -hmm. They happen together, okay? In the NBA, elite teams that win championships, they have three guys. And then everybody else and the everybody else is pretty good with the bench and all the rest, but it's, it's Jordan Pippen Grant. It's Russell Havlicek and Kuzi, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's Kareem magic and James worthy. Mm-hmm. It's three guys all the time. And if you don't have that Tim Duncan, Ginobili and Parker, if you mm-hmm. don't have those three guys, okay, maybe yeah. you have two, but you're not going to win a title. If you don't have three, um, you know, Draymond clay and Steph in golden state. So, 
in football, it happens together. That's how it works. And they benefit, they work off of each other. Now, you ask the question, and I'll, I'll give you the best answer I possibly can. Quarterbacks and players still make the system. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Walsh couldn't run the West Coast offense without Joe Montana. He has said that. So if I had to pick a percentage, if I had to slice the apple pie, mm-hmm. I'd probably go 60-40 in favor of Burrow. But it doesn't matter because when mm-hmm. you have all the pieces together, it, it has to gel that way. There's been no champion uh, with, with pieces that are broken. They're all together. The puzzle's together. And I mean, uh, Joe Brady showed what he could do with elite type talent, and that's what he's going to get in Buffalo. And your your point of is it quarterback and coach or coach Adam Gase or Peyton Manning, right? Just which one was the better guy? That's that's really what we oh, can we, talk we know about. Who that, we know who is that. <laughs> and, and look at who Joe Brady had for quarterback. I mean, yeah, Sam Darnold started out pretty good, but if you if you pull the rest of the season for him, and he had Cam Newton, who is beyond his prime. He had really nothing to work with there. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some not other nice pieces. CMC did not play the whole season. So they had a lot of stuff that, and again, I think that he was the scapegoat, and that's why he was, you know, he was fired. But that's neither here nor there. I, I think he comes into a situation where he can only go up from here. He has a top three quarterback, a top three wide receiver, and I think the Bills are going to give them more shiny toys in this offseason. So it's going to be fun. I mean, the quarterback's coach for the Chiefs and the Bills are probably two of the hottest uh, coaching openings in the NFL. I mean, you, you see the ladder right there. The OC, if you continue, the OC is going to go on to a new team to be in head coach. In a perfect mm-hmm. world, the quarterback's coach gets po- called up. But, I mean, if, if you want to stand out, be a, head, uh, be a quarterback's coach for Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes and, and tell me how good you are at your job. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I think Joe Brady uh, is an excellent hire for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm not sure what Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers are doing over there. They have a lot of issues. The running back was hurt. They didn't have the. They didn't have a, a great quarterback play. Uh, they just had a multitude of different issues. Where Joe Brady's the guy to to save the head coach's job. We had to get rid of somebody, and that somebody was was Joe Brady. Now. Was Joe Brady perfect with the Carolina Panthers? Probably not, right? But now that he comes to the Buffalo Bills as a quarterback coach, it's a it's a great situation for him. He gets to take a step back, assess what he possibly did wrong in Carolina, and now when the opportunity arrives again, because it's going to happen again, you're with the Buffalo Bills, you're with a stable franchise, and you're with a, a franchise quarterback. So when the opportunity arrives again where he can be uh, in, the, in a higher role in terms of offensive coordinator or even head coach, uh, I, I think he'll be much more prepared for that. And I think the Buffalo Bills is is the place of stability for both players and coaches, right? Joe Brady is the, the coaching aspect of Mitch Trubisky last year. I, I think Mitch Trubisky used the Buffalo Bills to kind of take a step back and, and assess his situation and say, you know what, let me, let me take this step back, go to the Buffalo Bills, back up Josh Allen, and see what – uh, a stable organization looks like see what uh, a winning culture and a winning organization now looks like and now that I've, I've i've seen this and been through this experience i'm ready to take what i learned with the buffalo bills and propel my career wherever i go next so i think joe brady is is doing the same thing from a coaching aspect well 30 seconds quick on that. I know we have to, to move on and, and everything, but the reason he was fired, I mean, the scapegoat thing is fine. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good title for it. The reason he was fired was because 
Joe Brady wants to use an open offense. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule wants to run the ball. Yep. That's why he was fired. And yep. you also can't run an open offense when you don't have a quarterback. So you got that situation going on. But he was he was fired because they don't have for some reason or another, you know, they don't Matt Rule. I mean, there's no personnel. So they just said, Oh, well, let's just get rid of the guy who wants to open up the offense like the rest of the league. Thank right. you, Matt Rule. Appreciate it. Thank yeah, you, Matt Rule. Yes, thank you, Matt Rule. And Mike, um, uh, I, I want to get, I'm interested to hear now this conversation between you and Doug Marone, the former yes. Bills head coach. I'm ready for it now. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. Yeah. You know, D- Doug, Doug is a really good guy, and I think that a lot of people in Syracuse and Western New York um, you know, kind of, kind of hate on him for the wrong reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Syracuse fans are still pissed because when Marone took the mic and took the head coaching job, he said, this is my dream job. You know, he went here. He was a part of the 87 undefeated Mm -hmm. team that went to the Sugar Bowl and tied. I'm still pissed about that, by the way. Pat Dye kicking that field goal. I'm still pissed. Um, But, you know, guys, life changes, man. You can take a, a job and it's a dream job at that moment. But if the NFL calls you, that's your next dream job. Who cares? Mm-hmm. There's still Syracuse fans who, who, who get on him for that. Um, I used to go to a lunch every single Monday in downtown Syracuse where Marone came and spoke to the fans and hung out. It was a media-driven thing sort of uh, through the athletic department. And it was a really cool lunch. It was an hour. Um, I always wanted to go to sleep afterwards because I always had burger and fries. And I could never, you know, just want to take a nap. But Marone talked to the group and he was classy and he talked about the vision. And he brought a professionalism to Syracuse um, in terms of, you know, suit and coat and, and suit and tie after the game. Um, you know, Chan- NFL pipeline. All of a sudden, you had Chandler Jones and others going to the pros. Syracuse didn't have a pro uh, pipeline because Greg Robinson basically ruined the program. Um, and so Marone comes in and does that, and and then he goes and he wins two bowl games. Okay, albeit both pinstripe bowls, but he wins two, which is something Syracuse didn't see. And then he goes to Buffalo, and you know. He he went nine and seven, right in one season. That's that was pretty good at, at that mm-hmm. time. Um, so I just you know I went up to Marone and just told him that I you know I, I said I just want to let you know you know first of all it's great to see you back and um, I really appreciate everything that you did from a, a professionalism standpoint both here uh, and in Buffalo because I think that you know Marone I think he's a really good coach and um, you know he was one win away from the Super Bowl right if, if we remember correctly and Doug Marone is also a guy who is coaching now for Nick Saban. So how bad of a, a coach can he be when Nick Saban said, oh, he's available, and he grabs him for the offensive line at Alabama? That yeah. tells you something, folks. That tells you something. It definitely does. And, you know, it. it this, these are what coaches do. Uh, they, they, they want to take the next opportunity if it's the best opportunity, right? Look at look at Bill O'Brien. He coached yep. Penn State when Penn State. He coached Penn State when Penn State was down. Penn State had a had a decent season, uh, considering the circumstances. What happened? Houston Texans uh, started calling. Uh, he went to his next job, which was the Houston Texans. So Doug Marone is not the first, and Doug Marone wouldn't be is not going to be the last in terms of uh, moving from college to head coaching ranks. So. Uh, that's a great conversation you had with Doug Marone, and and I appreciate the the tidbits uh, you brought to the table on on Bill's allergy tonight. Um, uh, I, I want to move on, right? Last last topic of of discussion, then I'll get each and everybody's final thoughts. 
the Buffalo Bills 2021 draft class. Gregory Russo, Carlos Basham, Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, Marquez Stevenson, Damar Hamlin, Rashad Wild Goose, and Jack Anderson. Uh, I know a lot of people had their own thoughts on which way the Buffalo Bills should attack the offseason. And now that we've seen the product on the field after year one, now don't get me wrong, these players still have to progress. I think all players uh, uh, need to progress, and it takes a few years to do that. I think us as fans, uh, we rush players to try to get better because we want to see a winning product. But at the end of the day, these players are are still humans, and they still have to be coached up, and they have to be developed, and they have to progress, um, and they need time to do so. But let's assess this first year for the Buffalo Bills uh, 2021 draft class. Uh, how do you feel they did uh, as a whole? And, and what grade would you give the class uh, after year one? I just want to hear your thoughts on, on how they did and, 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 and how the, the uh, organization constructed this draft class. So uh, DM3, let me, let me start off with you and, and get your thoughts on the 2021 draft, draft class because I know there's a lot of different opinions when the Buffalo <clears throat> Bills went first and second round defensive end when there was corners out there that could have been that could have been uh needed for for that reasons right so let me just get everybody's thoughts dm3 i think it's too too soon to be determined with a lot of these guys um obviously rashad wild goose is no longer with the team uh he was claimed off the practice squad but gregory rousseau came out hot and then i think that that the pro game caught up to him i i think that there's a lot of things that they do in a now 17-game NFL season that he wasn't prepared for. Let's not forget, he sat out the season previous because of COVID. So he hadn't played in, in two years. Um, Carlos Basham, which we were all preached on, was going to be the most NFL-ready of the two between him and um, Gregory Rousseau. I think <clears throat> and a lot of people don't want to talk about it. I think he had a little bit of a weight issue. If you guys watch film, he looks like he kind of fluctuated weight a little bit, not saying that that was why he didn't get snaps. Um, because we don't see practice. We don't see what gets them on and off the field. Um, he was inactive a lot this season. He seemed fairly early on, especially in the Miami game, um, the first Miami game. He was very – he was all over the place. Uh, the All the young guys were all over the place. Rousseau, uh, Basham, Epinesa, they were all over the place. But then it seemed like Basham was fighting just to make the active – or to be not inactive on game day. Um as far as Spencer Brown, I think that the NFL rookie season absolutely hit him in the face a few times um, because I think we all fell in love with the charismatic, over-the-top, celebrating, making fun of smaller defensive backs, and he's just pancaking people left and right. But there were some times when he actually was, was outworked and was beaten pretty bad. Um, but I think all in all, he's going to be a really good right tackle, and he's going to be a franchise right tackle for this team. Um, you go down the list, I think the jury's still out on some of the guys. A lot of them didn't see a lot of playing time. Um, Tommy Doyle, obviously, we all know he cut a touchdown pass in the playoffs. Um, I, I think DeMar Hamlin, I was high on him. Um, I feel like he he has a place on the team going forward. You know, in a couple of years, we're going to have to figure out what we're doing with to replace Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer because um, those guys can't be back there forever. But all in all, I don't, I don't like to give out grades, but all in all, I, I feel like it was – slightly above average because I think there's still some work that needs 
to be done um, with some of these guys. And I think it's just going to be more snaps, more reps, more playing time, more coaching. Um, and we'll see with Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle, since we're going to have a new offensive line coach, we have a new offensive coordinator. Um, we'll see if these guys uh, implemented a, a different scheme to get all these guys on the same page. Um, and then we'll see what Brandon Bean wants to do with the draft this year or free agency. I'm still under the impression that we need that guy that is the quarterback of the defense that can change a game whenever he wants. Um, and those are typically edge rushers. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm, we did a draft show. Um, me and Akeem were both on the draft show and when they went Russo Basham, we were kind of both looking at each other like what's, what's happening right now. Um, but as Brandon Bean explained it after the draft, it made sense as to where they're going. So I don't foresee Jerry Hughes coming back. Um, they might have to make a hard decision on Mario Addison. So, but we'll see. All in all, I, I think it was a, a slightly above average draft, but not a lot of playing time for all these guys. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I I'm gonna go quick here, guys, because I'm uh, kind of up against it here. Um, I, I I would give it a, a like a B you know, uh, at this point, because I think we have a lot of guys who are still developing Stevenson. We don't know if he'll be a slot guy back up to McKenzie is McKenzie back. Do they cut Beasley? We don't know what's happening with him. We don't know what's happening with Jack Anderson. Is he a future guard? We don't know a wild goose. Is he a potential special teams guy? Who knows? Hamlin. I'm high on him too. Depth wise though, maybe another year or two away. The big names obviously are Russo Basham and Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle Doyle. But Spencer Brown, I'm with you. Right tackle. The guy is a monster, and he mm -hmm. showed a lot this year. The only time he really struggled was when they asked him to go out of position, right? And so um, I think Basham's developing a, 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 a guy up front. I think Russo, same way. I actually know somebody who's very, very close to the Wake Forest program, and he texted me, and he goes, dude, and I played golf with this guy this past summer. I didn't play well. Uh, but he said, look. I'm telling you right now, Boogie Basham's going to be a star in Buffalo. He said, just, you got to give it two full development years. I'm all in on Russo, but I'm so with you uh, on that comment with, they need the guy. Um, not necessarily for me, the quarterback of the defense, they need the guy who offensive coordinators freak out about leading up to a game. They're game planning around somebody. I'm not saying that you can go out and pick off a tree. Lawrence Taylor, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Reggie White, Bruce Smith, Ray Nitschke, uh, 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 Dick Buckus. I'm not saying you could do that. But they need somebody who is a major enforcer. And it's too bad the Bills didn't have a lot of cap money because I'd just throw whatever at Von Miller at the end of this season. So I think right now BB- minus is probably pretty fair. But you have a lot of guys who we still need to find out uh, about. But I think the reason why you get that grade as high as you do at B minus, or in my case, I'll go B, I'll go B is because of Spencer Brown. Nice. Yep. Nice, man. And, and Mike, I'm gonna let you get out of here. Any, anything else you want to say before you get out of here? I know you're up against anything you want to say. You know, guys, that was a great show. Um, happy to be a part of it and uh, looking forward to, to, you know, continuing this thing on. I've got some major calls and some messages into some people for guests on the show. So uh, thanks for having me and uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yes, sir. Go yes, Bills. sir. Go Thanks, Bills. Mike. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate Thank you, man. You. Thank you. And um, Adam, and I want to get your thoughts, but the reason why I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a couple things right quick, and then I'm gonna get your thoughts. The reason why, yeah. Uh, the reason why I pose this question is because the Bills, they didn't. Uh, Mike said they didn't have the the money, right? They didn't have the money, but 
Like they signed they signed Matt Milano back four years, forty more forty four million dollars. They signed back John Feliciano. Uh, they made it. They signed Emmanuel Sanders. They they you know they made a couple of signings with the money that they did have, right? And the Buffalo Bills just lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So let's yep twice, but last year it was the first time. And being that the Buffalo Bills lost that first that game. Uh, I thought that the Buffalo Bills understood that they was right there. And the Kansas City Chiefs are the, the standard, the gold standard. And being that you didn't really get any players a high impact in free agency, in my opinion, the, the draft was getting players of impact. Let's get players of impact so when we do play the Kansas City Chiefs, we will be prepared. And in my opinion, it looked as if the Buffalo Bills have a lot of these. We have to wait and see players. We have to we have yep. to continue to develop these guys and wait and see what happens two, three years down the line. And in my opinion, we need to win right now. So uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on on, on this draft, uh, this 2021 draft and, and how the Buffalo Bills do. Rich, I think that you hit the nail on the head with like the win now mentality. Um, I think that we're past like allowing players two to three years to develop, especially when we're going to be up against it with the cap with Josh Allen, with Trey White. We have all these players that are getting paid big money that that we need to win now. I mean, Greg Rousseau is a dominant. He's a monster. He's going to be huge. But again, one of the things when he got drafted was, hey, he missed a year. He's kind of a developer. Like we're going to have to work with him and grow. Uh, mm -hmm. Same with Boogie Basham, right? What Mike just said. Hey, talk to a guy from Wake Forest. Two to three years to get him. Okay. There's other players. Part of that um, draft that had impact immediately. Now I know Diggs's brother had the interceptions that kind of skew, but uh, there was big names, cornerbacks, um, edge rushers who made an impact. I mean, Werfs, offensive linemen. Um, mm -hmm. a, a lot of big name players made big impacts. Rookies, uh, mm -hmm. but but. To get to your question, Greg Rousseau finished the year with 35 solo tackles, four sacks, one forced fumble, and one pick. Mm. Boogie, seven solo, 2.5 sacks in eight games. Mm. Stevenson played five games and had two fumbles, and Spencer mm. Brown had 13 games played with 10 games started. Mm. Tommy Doyle, 11 games, and DeMar Hamlin had one solo tackle in 14 games with two passes defended. From my understanding as well, Wild Goose and Anderson are gone. They were picked up. I think uh, yeah. the Eagles picked Jack up Jack Eagles, Anderson, yeah. mm -hmm. and I'm not sure about Wild Goose. So Jets, Jets okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. for me right now, I give it a C plus. I, I think Russo can like be it. special in this league, and Spencer Brown warms my heart with the beer shenanigans. There were a few bits where he had some really funny moments where he pancaked a bunch of guys. However, there were moments that he really looked like a rookie. That's that's not a knock on him at all. But when you have Super Bowl aspirations, it's easy to point out the deficiencies. I think the talk after KC won was we need to mimic what Tampa Bay did, right? Uh, we need mm -hmm. to get a bunch of bad dudes on that D-line. And I was admittedly concerned about Basham and his inability to get on the field. Uh, additionally, Stevenson coming into the year was rumored to be the guy to return punts. I remember preseason and coming in, it was uh, fans were pumped about the idea of returning. And then it was kind of a revolving door with him and Micah Hyde and, and McKenzie. Um, he admittedly probably lost the job a little too quick. But if they can't make an impact this year, 
who's to say the Bills aren't going to go get a wide receiver in the first round or the second round? Um, uh, there's an Ohio State wide receiver that I'm seeing rumors of. Um, Tommy Doyle, right, one of our pickups, came in for one snap in one game that I remember, and he got blown up. The only other memory I have is that playoff touchdown. Um, yep. yep. There was a lot to be desired, especially because of the issues early on in the season with O-line continuity. Uh, it just it, the O-line wasn't in a great place. So you thought these rookies might be able to get in there and make a difference. And Tommy Doyle not seeing the field with those issues had me a little concerned. All that to say, I would say Stevenson has a long way to go. Basham has hope next season with another year under his belt. Russo and Brown should develop well and have another good year. And, and with Wild Goose and Anderson gone and Doyle, Stevenson, Basham, and Hamlin being relatively lackluster until they get the call up, it wasn't the best draft, but there is hope. I like it. I like it, Adam. And, and you're right. There, there is hope. And, and next year, we, we hope to see that progression from this 2021 class. And uh, I'm, going, I'm interested to see how the Bills are going to attack this offseason in 2022. Uh, we, we we know our deficiencies. Uh, we understand that uh, the Buffalo Bills still should have won the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, 13 seconds left. But we squandered that opportunity. And since we squandered that opportunity, now we give the rest of the 31 teams a chance to have an offseason and get better for themselves, right? So it's not just about the Kansas City Chiefs anymore. It's about Justin Herbert and the Chargers. It's about uh, uh, these other quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, all these other teams with these franchise quarterbacks are have an offseason and have a draft class to get better as well. So what is the Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, and the rest of that organization going to do to make sure the Buffalo Bills can indeed stay in contention and hopefully uh, hoist a Super Bowl trophy sooner rather than later? Because our quarterback, Josh Allen, played a perfect game and we still lost. So two perfect games. Two perfect, two perfect games. games. And 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 still lost. Josh Allen, in my opinion, is still the, the best, the best playoff performer I've seen. I've seen good performances from Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, but they're not touching Josh Allen. They're not touching what Josh Allen did in this 2021, 2022 playoffs in those two games. So it's up to the Buffalo Bills staff, Buffalo Bills organization to get the, the right pieces around Josh Allen, the right pieces for that defense to, to take the next step. Uh, and, and that's go over the top and, and hoist that Lombardi trophy. Could I add one more uh, note on that too? Go ahead, go ahead. So whatever Bean's going to do and the team's going to do, they're going to go in full bore with it, right? Uh, a couple years ago uh, after the Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones experiment, they went in and they got John Brown, they got Cole Beasley, the next year they got Diggs. They saw that they needed to work on the O-line, so they went and got a heavy rotation of O-line players both in the draft and free agency. Same thing with D-line, right? Epineza, we got uh, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler. Uh, every time a draft comes up, we know that Bean and McDermott have a plan and they're going to stick to it and they're going to go full bore. I mean – I personally was stunned that we went Rousseau Basham back-to-back -back rounds, but whatever mm -hmm. the plan is, they know what they're going to do and they're going to push all the chips in to get the guys that they want to get or to fit the scheme that they need in order to get to a Super Bowl. I like it. I like it. DM3, you got something to say? Um, let's not forget that you can affect the quarterback all you want, but there are still quarterbacks that are going to get the ball out and get it to their playmakers. I am sold completely on the fact that they're going to draft more than one cornerback. There's still uncertainty about Tredavious White. Mm -hmm. Everybody's saying he's on schedule, but mm -hmm. there's still uncertainty. I would draft two cornerbacks in this draft, and I'm not talking about the sixth and seventh round. 
put some competition out there. Levi Wallace is not worth nine to twelve million dollars, which is what his value is as a free agent. So that's some things we have to think about. We can draft all these defensive ends. We can bulk up the defensive line, but if we can't, we can't cover. We can't cover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Mahomes sliced up the secondary. Now, if it, you want to call it scheme or whatever it was, we need a CB two. It's plain and simple. Um, we need a second cornerback opposite of Tre'Davious White. So, do we win that game with Trey White in? Yes, because I don't think they play too high. Too, they play too high safeties the entire game. And they were scared. They played scared. They didn't. Now, I'm not a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been the discussion. A lot of people says no. Leslie Frazier coached this defense. Like, the, to have the number one overall defense is is a, a task. And, and he accomplished that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you watch how the Cincinnati Bengals attacked Patrick Mahomes, they only played two high safeties maybe a third of the game. Because they showed that they weren't scared. You need to beat us somewhere else. And they got more physical in, in the intermediate range, in the middle of the field. They disguise things. And this is, could be a whole different show because I haven't been on forever. But um, I think the Bills defense played scared and it showed. And they gave up They gave up big plays. You saw Micah Hyde got beat for a, a, a big touchdown. That doesn't happen often. Um, so I think that they knew that they were outmanned with speed um, and ability having Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson as their one and two CBs. And I think they tried to mask it the best way they could with Poyton higher and Poyer and Hyde. And I think they still got beat because you have a guy like Terry Hill who can take a slant route to the house, you know, because you can't catch him once he gets a couple steps on you, he's gone. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. Um, We'll probably do a draft show. I'm sure a rich. Well, I'm not sure if I'll be on that one or not, but. Come by the house again. You could. (laughs) the thing that that concerns me is how many times are we going to draft to catch up to another team instead of drafting to exceed another team we drafted to catch up to the chiefs we went defensive end defensive end then we got two offensive linemen what do we what's the plan this offseason if it was up to me you go and you get a high price free agent you make the roster moves that you have to freaking make to get the salary cap and you get the best defensive end that's available a generation just a player. random uh, a random question do you think recency bias is the reason why leslie frazier can lead the bills team to a number one overall defense but still not have a uh, uh a high profile head coach uh job offering do you think it's his work in the kansas city game against high profile games like tennessee torched us there's a few games during the year where our defense did not look number one but when we have games like houston and miami where we shut them out and dominate them I'm just wondering if you think recency bias is one of the biggest reasons why Leslie Frazier hasn't been offered a head coaching gig. Uh, and, and that's an excellent question. I think it's, it's it's the total body of work that that everybody looks at, right? Uh, on one hand, Leslie Frazier did do an incredible job, right? We're talking about if if we want to if we want to really break it down, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, when they had their cornerback go down after Josh Allen trucked uh, 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 Ward and DeAndre Baker had to substitute for Ward, that substitution, DeAndre Baker, uh, say what you want about him, but he's a first-round pick. So they substituted Ward for a first-round pick. Uh, 
the Buffalo Bills starting cornerbacks was an undrafted corner and a seventh round drafted corner. So what Leslie Frazier defense does and Sean McDermott defense does is they get the most out of players. They have a lot of overachievers on that defense. And that's something that we have to give credit to, to Leslie Frazier for. He maximizes these players' talents. He gets the most out of these players. At the same time, we, we have to look at who they played, right? Uh, uh, Tyler Haneke, uh, Tua, uh, Davis Mills. Uh, they played a lot of quarterbacks in teams of, of bad quarterback play. And when the Buffalo Bills did play teams of decent quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill was a decent quarterback. Uh, he put up 34 points. Indianapolis Colts, Carson Wentz, eh, but they have a heck of an offensive line and a heck of a running back, and they was able to put up points. Kansas City Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, and they was able to put up points. So uh, I think the, uh, the rest of the NFL looks at that as well. So now what I think the Buffalo Bills have to do is, okay, we maximize players' talents of these overachievers. Now we have to get players to maximize the, this defense, this play calling defense, and this style defense. And I think if the Buffalo Bills can put those two things together, that can possibly take the defense over the top in, in terms of having more success against these more high-powered offenses. So I think this is a, 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 a important offseason where they have to do that. Get these Get some players in here now with above average athletic traits to really put this defense that you have all these overachievers playing well uh, on steroids. And I think that's that should be the goal for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think, too, we, we talk about all these projects that we have. Like Josh Allen would be the biggest project in the history of the NFL, right? Everybody labeled him as a project, and he's worked out, right? So we have to sometimes – dial it down a little bit when I, we have expectations for guys like Dawson Knox. We, we rode him off, right? We were all talking about which tight end can we draft? Can we sign this guy? Can we sign that guy? Um, so we have to make sure all these projects, there's going to be a cycle of, well, these projects are coming up on contract years. Are we, well, now we're waiting on Russo and Basham to come around but now we got three other guys that we have to figure out if we're going to be able to re-sign or what have you. So all I know, and I'll say this before we get out of here, this is one of the deepest cornerback drafts that there's been in probably 10, 12 years. So there's going to be some lockdown corners that are going to be on the board even into the third round. So I'll say that. That's my piece. That's it. Um, yeah, corners. Yeah, man. And uh, I, I think – we covered a lot today, man. I, I think we covered a lot in terms of in terms of what's going on around the NFL, uh, with ownership, with coaches, uh, the Rooney Rule. We we discussed uh, our our coaches in terms of Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady. Uh, this was an excellent show. Uh, is there is there anything else, Adam, that that you want to say before we get out of here? Let me you want to get a final thought in. Anything you got for me before we get out of here? I'm just excited and grateful to be a Bills fan. Um, I, I'm, I feel incredibly blessed that we're allowed to come on a platform and, and speak some mm -hmm. truths and talk about some hard things and open that dialogue so that we can advocate change because I think that's the only way that change can happen. Um, just grateful to be able to talk to some some friends for an hour and a half. And I just encourage anyone to to 
be open to have difficult conversations because that's the only way that we can make change. Um, and the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl next year in Arizona, so it's going to be a great time because I live in Arizona, so I'll definitely be checking that out. Uh, we love all you guys, and, and give me a follow on Twitter if you want. I had I had someone call me out today and say that I'm the corniest Bills fan they've ever met, so that might go in my bio after the show. And, and, and that is definitely not the case. I do not agree with that, Adam, but, hey, man, we love you, man. We love the work that you do behind the scenes. Uh, you came prepared today. You, you came with excellent knowledge and est- excellent statistics and feedback, man. Uh, anytime you want to come on the show, uh, uh, when we get off, I'm trying to, I'm going to try to convince you to do more shows, man. So, uh, excellent conversation today. Uh, my brother DM three is our first time, bro. First time in four years, bro. First time we finally <laughs> met. We finally got together. We got to hang out a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, uh final thoughts we get out of here. Uh, no, Adam, thank you. Um, this was, uh, this was, this was fun. Um, it's been a while for me, so I'm a little rusty, but Having you and Mike on, it, I thought we had really good conversations. Um, you brought a ton of insight. Um, Mike brought a ton of insight. A Rich always does. I just throw in some comments in there. But it was great. And yeah, we're going to have to get you on some more shows. Um, if you guys don't follow our Twitter page, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, link is in the description. Uh, if you don't follow Adam mm-hmm. on Twitter, you should. It's Primetime Adam, right? Yep. Yep. Primetime Prime Adam. Adam. He's mm-hmm. He's got like. 10 billion followers. So he puts up some good stuff, but no, I'm glad um, I'm probably going to be behind the scenes for a while. We have a lot of stuff that we're going to be um, rolling out here this year. Our off season just gets busier than the regular season. So we got a lot of cool stuff happening um, and I'll be back eventually at some point I will be back. We'll be back on Bill's allergy and I'll have another show and all that stuff. So I appreciate everybody that says really nice things in the comments about me, even though you guys are probably lying, but um, no. I, I appreciate you guys. So other than that, I got nothing else. Take us out, A. Rich. Hey, man. Hey, from myself, A. Rich, Hakeem Richens, from my brother, Adam, from my brother, DM3. If you don't know us, please get to know us. This is indeed Built in Buffalo. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate for everyone rocking with us tonight. And uh, go Bills.